Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of Olympic Gold and Blue here on the Pit Talk Network. I'm so excited to be uh, starting this podcast because uh, we've talked about pit football, pit basketball, both on this network and uh, through Cardiac Hill. Uh, but there has not been nearly enough attention on Pitt's Olympic sports, especially considering how well they have done in these last few years. Particularly, we are starting with one program in this episode uh, that has been truly phenomenal, one of the very best in the nation. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible to see their rise. That is Pitt Volleyball, and we have none other than James Santelli on the podcast, who is the most knowledgeable person uh, about Pitt Volleyball. Uh, he is a diehard fan. He has been for years, uh, and it's it's uh, it's really great to have you on, James. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Thank you, Corey, for having me. And I think this is a, a great idea. I think Pitt's next national championship, team national championship, I should say, uh, is going to come from one of these Olympic sports. Obviously had one individual with Nico in wrestling uh, this past season, but that first team one uh, may come from one of these that you're covering. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, volleyball made the final four men's soccer made the final four wrestling's great women's soccer's up there. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, excited about if you're a pit fan and these Olympic sports, they matter, they're important. And, uh, and it's really thrilling to see Pitt doing well as an entire athletic department as they have been under Heather like. So for people who are fans of Pitt, maybe fans of Pitt football, maybe Pitt basketball, and uh, they pay a little bit of attention to pit volleyball, but this is the year that I think the goal of part of the goal of this show is to get people invested in pit volleyball and focused on this season, because I think a lot of people, maybe they paid attention the last two years come final four, they've heard, Oh, pits in the final four, but there's a lot to, to care about and to, to be excited about throughout the season. So I think that's what in this first episode we're going to talk about is just get the basics for people who haven't necessarily followed pit volleyball too closely, but this year uh, there's a great opportunity for them to do so. So uh, James, so the last two years pit volleyball made the final four and it was a big deal. Both times, I believe it was Nebraska two years ago, they lost to, uh, and then Louisville last year. And uh, now it's a it's a fresh year. There's a new campaign. Uh, so first, let's talk about the players that they lost. Who from last year's squad uh, is no longer on this team? So the biggest losses from last year would certainly be Serena Gray, the middle blocker, came over from Penn State and had a, a wonderful career at Pitt and was, was sort of the de facto captain of the team, you know, emotional leader, but also leader on the front line. And Courtney Bazzario, who was Pitt's top scorer last year, uh, hitting from the right side and had an amazing NCAA tournament and was even setting records for Pitt in the NCAA tournament in kills and points. Uh, so those are two huge losses for Pitt. You can't necessarily replace that production that Pitt had in the front row with Serena Gray and Courtney Bazzario. But Pitt is not trying to replace just those two with two new players. Coach Dan Fisher has said this year, this team is the deepest team that he's ever had. And it's hard to argue with him. We were able to go to the Pitt blue and gold scrimmage before the season, which is just an intra-squad scrimmage, split the team in half, one side on the other. And it seemed like either half of the team could be an NCAA tournament worthy team. 
it's truly a roster that from one to 16 has valuable players who can make a contribution. And so even with losing Gray and Bezerio, uh, Pitt is still looking like a top 10 squad. So you talk about who they lost. Um, in a second, we're going to talk about who they gained. But how about some of the players that they retained, players that were crucial last year in the incredibly successful campaign and the run to the Final Four? Who from last year is back and you think can be even better in 2023? Sure. Well, even though Pitt lost their top scorer in Courtney Bezerio, they do bring back their second leading scorer from last year, which is Valeria Vasquez-Gomez. Uh, she's improved every single year now into her senior year, and she's more than capable as a six-rotation player contributing all over the floor. But the most talented player on the team, and it's lucky that she's still a junior, still has two more years at Pitt, is Rachel Fairbanks. She is both a setter and a hitter for Pitt, came in, recruited as a setter out of California, until they determined, wow, she can really hit. So she will play six rotations as well. Uh, set her in the front row, uh, or rather, set her in the back row and right side hitter in the front row, and really provides Pitt with the ability to score, you know, no matter which rotation is on the floor. So those are the two biggest uh, returners. And then you also have Chiamaka Wokolo. It seems like middle blocker was going to be a position of weakness for Pitt, possibly coming into this season after losing both Serena Gray and another middle blocker, Sabrina Stark. Chiamaka Wokolo was fully intending on graduating, leaving the volleyball team behind. She walked on senior day, but then she was convinced just before the, the deadline for transfers, you know, why don't you come back for your fifth year, for your COVID year? And so she's back, and she is truly one of the best offensive blockers, uh, offensive middle blockers that Pitt has, and is one of the best in the country. So she provides that experience, and it's sort of one of the players that Pitt volleyball fans rally around. After the blue and gold scrimmage, there was a very nice event that Pitt put together where they could ask questions of Coach Fisher and other players. They went one by one, introducing all the players. And the player who got the biggest applause from the season ticket holders out of anybody was Chia, was Chia Makawokolo. So clearly, there, there's a love on both sides, Chia for Pitt and Pitt for Chia, and it's great to have her back for another season. That's really cool that that there's that culture that she would want to come back and would want to utilize that year, and that's really been an incredible culture that's been built around this program. I mean, Dan Fisher, he was building it up when I was a student, and that was a while ago, and, and you know, he was really – um, he came for, for people that don't know, I was in pit band when I was, when I was there and he came to pit band and was, and was getting us excited about pit volleyball and getting us to start coming to matches. And, uh, and it's been incredible because at the time pit volleyball was still pretty niche. Uh, they weren't particularly, uh, they weren't anything special necessarily. And that program has really been built up into not just one great team, but year after year, they're incredible. And, and that culture that you can see with the players, with Dan Fisher and the coaching staff and the fans, uh, that it's really become something special. And, and so it's not surprising, uh, from my perspective, at least, that you've got some players that they could leave, but they don't want to. They want to stick around and, and they want to, to take one more run at it and be with their teammates, be with their coaches and the fans. And I got to say credit to the pit band as well, because they have been one of the, the stronger student sections 
for Pitt, even when there may be a game uh, that there's not a huge student contingent or not a huge crowd you know, just based on the, the class schedule, what have you, the Pitt band is strong and loud and certainly in favor of the team. But you're exactly right. It's all about the culture that Dan Fisher has built. And he's sort of been what one season ticket holder at that event described him as a, a transfer portal whisperer on both sides, keeping his best players from looking out onto the transfer portal and possibly looking for an environment where they might have more playing time or might have a different situation. And on the flip side, drawing in some of the most talented players in the country and saying that Pitt is the place you want to be to be surrounded by great teammates, to be surrounded by a great university, and to have a chance to play in the Final Four, to play for a national championship. Well, that's a great segue. So let's talk about some of the players that he has recruited to Pitt uh, for this season. Uh, that, that again, it's he's done a phenomenal job building Pitt up as this program. So what once could have been seen as, oh, it's a small program in a city that gets cold in the winters and they're, they're playing in an old field house. It's not much of a big deal. And now it's become a, a pretty marquee destination for some of the top uh, volleyball players. Who are some of the, the big additions that we should look forward to seeing this year? We are right. And this is probably the strongest class of newcomers that Dan Fisher has brought in, which, which says a lot between Courtney Bezerio, Serena Gray, and the previous year, Lecator member Manet, really had strong transfers. But Bree Kelly, the middle blocker who transferred in from Florida, uh, might just top them all uh, in terms of ability to make an impact on this team. Uh, she comes in, has two more years of eligibility, was on the Team USA U21 team that uh, Dan Fisher was coaching. And the the gossip, the conversation is that he was sort of a whisperer while he was coaching her on that U21 national team to say, hey, you want to join up with another Team USA member in Rachel Fairbanks and, and come to Pitts and leave Florida behind? And and she did. And that's, that's saying something when you have a program like Florida, which is one of the strongest in the country, has one of the longest tenured coaches, a great culture. But Bree Kelly was convinced that she can make more of an impact here in Pittsburgh, and, and she really can. And even in the first three matches, has shown that she is going to be a force in the front row for Pitt. But not just on the transfer portal. It's by far Pitt's strongest freshman class that they've brought in. Uh, the two biggest names being Olivia Babcock and Tori Stafford, uh, two hitters out of California who are two of the, the highest rated, most highly touted prospects that Pitt has brought in so far. And they've already made an impact. Um, Olivia Babcock is already... Um, one of the tops on the team in points so far in this early going of the season. And they're going to rely on Babcock, Stafford, and Blair Bayless, another freshman, to to score points, to terminate, to be part of the production that's lost when you lose a player like Courtney Bezzario on the right side. And it's going to be both a high risk but a high opportunity for Pitt when you rely a lot on freshmen, on you know new college student athletes, new players, um, you're going to run into, into trouble at times. You may have uh, more errors than you would typically see on a, on a pit team in the past. Um, but you could just see the arms and the ability to 
hit hard balls and to terminate on these freshman hitters. And it's going to be a, a very fun team to watch and see how they collect points in this sort of new era of pit volleyball. Yeah, it seems it's interesting because it seems like on one hand they're they're retooling, but certainly not rebuilding. As you mentioned, they've got all these great players that have come back, and then they've got these freshmen who are in the mix. and And you talked about how it's maybe a little risky to rely on freshmen, but on the other hand, they're not necessarily relying upon them because the team is so deep as you were talking about. So it's not that these players have to come in and instantly be incredible because there's that depth. It sounds like these freshmen, uh, specifically Babcock, Bayless and Stafford, which sounds like a law firm, by the way, uh, (laughs) it sounds like they've got their time to build into something. And so that by, you know, in a couple months from now, when they're in do or die matches, that those three freshmen can be playing like, sophomores juniors they could be playing like upperclassmen by the time you get there they do and dan fisher to his credit is never afraid to take somebody out try somebody new in the lineup if he feels like that something is not working so everybody is going to have a chance to prove themselves particularly you know early on here in non-conference play He's going to run a lot of different rotations, going to sub in a lot of folks and see what sort of lineup sticks. And the hope would be that some of these talented freshmen can secure a spot in the lineup um, when you get into ACC play, when you get into big matches like against Louisville and against Georgia Tech. Um, But there are no guarantees and everybody's really going to have to prove their worth because as we said, it is truly a deep roster and Dan Fisher has the ability to sub in pretty much anybody (laughs) that he has on his bench and be assured that they're going to be a formidable player. Yeah, it sounds it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I mean, not everyone's going to get the playing time necessarily that they want uh, or you could even argue deserve. But it's a blessing in that, as you said, he can go to basically anyone and and get things done. If you could and this is going to be difficult, if you could highlight one player that you think is going to be the player of the year, the most important player, the player that can lead this team to perhaps a national championship, who would that one player be on this year's squad? Well, I'll cheat a little bit and I'll give you two because I think the most valuable, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. I think the most valuable player on the team is Rachel Fairbanks and just the, the amount of value that she provides as both a setter and a hitter um, the talent that she brings, she has a chance to be a first-team All-American for this pit team. But I think one of the most crucial players and seeing how she contributes this year is Juliana Dalton, outside hitter, and I believe the tallest player on Pitt's team at 6'6 or 6'7. She has not only incredible talent, but she does the sort of things you wouldn't expect a six, seven player to be able to do, which is she can play the back row defensively and pass well and, and keep the ball off the floor and be a potential six rotation player who passes from the back row and also just gets up there and has huge leverage to kill balls from the front row, either from the outside um, or down the middle. And we knew that coming in when Joanne Dalton, transferred here from Washington State after her freshman year. We saw glimpses of it last season. Unfortunately, she had an injury later on in the season, 
missed a lot of the second half of the season and was never truly at 100% into the postseason. Uh, but she says she's at 100%. She's ready to go. And if she can take that step up and be the kind of player that she was recruited as when she went to Washington State, um, there are a lot of expectations on her. And I think they're still able to be they're able to be reached the the potential that she has to be uh an all-american player is still there so i'd I'd be watching juliana dalton anytime she's on the floor uh watch and see how she's able to contribute because it really can provide a lot of value for Pitt, especially in games where they're going to face a lot of tall opponents a lot of tough uh big teams that are going to be on the schedule for Pitt. She can match right up with them, and that's going to be a huge piece. Well, that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Uh, Coming up in just a moment, we're going to be talking about Pitt's chances in the ACC, in the NCAA. Can they make another Final Four run? Can they make it to a national championship and perhaps win it? We're going to be talking about all of that, plus the early part of the season, coming up in just a moment after a very quick word from some of our sponsors. Okay, and we are back. So, uh, James, let's talk about Pitt's chances this year. So, you talked about how deep this squad is. Yes, they lost a a few uh, key players in Serena Gray and Courtney Bezzario, but they've retooled. They've got some great freshmen, uh, some transfers like Bree Kelly. They've got some some key returning players like Fairbanks and Vasquez Gomez. Uh, So, what can this team do this year? They're in a conference with some difficult competition, notably Louisville, the team they lost to in the Final Four last year. Uh, what do you think they can do in the ACC? And then obviously this is very far ahead, but what do you think this team can do in terms of the NCAA tournament? Obviously everything's a crapshoot when it comes to uh, to the tournament, but is this a team that realistically could make yet another run, make a third straight Final Four, and perhaps even go a little bit further? Well, the answer is certainly yes. This team has the ability to go on another Final Four run. They're not only back-to-back Final Four teams, but even the season before in the COVID year, they were only a couple points in the final set for making a third Final Four when they lost to Washington in the Elite Eight. So that pedigree is there. Everybody on that team, save for the, the freshmen and some of the newcomers coming in, knows what it takes to be on the in the Final Four. What I think is going to be key is just the competition that you have. And so far, judging from what we've seen in the early goings from other teams around the country, nobody's head and shoulders above anybody else. Uh, Texas and Stanford look like the most valuable team or, or the top teams in the country, the most talented teams, and they both have losses on their ledger already. So there's no guarantee, like there's, there sort of felt like there was last year that Texas was head and shoulders above everybody else. There is no true blue got to be the best team in the country and the most likely national champion. So Pitt has that ability. What I think is key, and we we touched on earlier, is just how quickly this class of newcomers and especially the freshmen gel together, how they're able to limit mistakes as freshmen, and they're going to face a test in the early going. They have a home and home against Kentucky, going down to Lexington and then coming back to the peak to face a Kentucky team that is also top 10 worthy that won the national championship a couple of years ago. And it's going to be a true battle test. Pitt already has one loss to its name, losing in the opener against BYU out on a neutral site in Montana. And 
to be honest, that hurts. That hurts your resume, just like it hurt Pitt's resume last year when they lost an opener uh, to San Diego, which was eventually a Final Four team themselves. All of these games do matter in terms of the, the crucial key to making a Final Four, which is actually just being in the top four in the first place when you enter the tournament so you can host all the way through the regional finals. But Pitt has that ability. They've won both on the road in regional finals and at home in the regional finals to reach the final four. The depth is there. Biggest key, like I said, is just seeing how these newcomers are able to gel, come together, and hopefully win these these early matches against Kentucky and get some momentum going. And that's an interesting thing about NCAA volleyball and, and sort of an interesting quirk is that so much of the regular season does matter because of the seeding. And it's not even just like say basketball tournament, men's or women's basketball, where you're seated and yeah, maybe you're an eight seed or a nine seed. And then you go to a site, maybe it's near you. This is just the top teams get seated. And then after, you know, and they get, as you said, they play at home and not at a neutral site in a region. They are playing at home and that is a massive advantage. And so in many cases, uh, people that, that might be more familiar with men's and women's basketball that you say, oh, yeah, you know, early in the season, it, it doesn't really matter because it's just the conference games that matter. And even then it's your resume. As long as you get in the tournament, it just matters what you do from there. But in volleyball, every match really does seem crucial because you have to build up as great a resume as possible to be one of those top seeds to get that crucial advantage. Exactly right. The home court advantage is so vital particularly when the alternative is going to a very difficult spot like having to travel to Lincoln, Nebraska. I was just going to say, let's just say Nebraska. Let's say maybe they happen to host a volleyball match that has over 92,000 people in attendance, as we just saw. We we have to to note it because we're, we're recording this on Wednesday night after Nebraska fans set the world record most attendees at a women's sporting event of all time. Uh, truly incredible, and it speaks to what not only volleyball in Nebraska has become, but the real potential that this game has um, across the nation and really a lot of untapped potential. And when you talk about, say, the women's college basketball tournament, we saw it this past March when the women's Final Four was setting records for viewership when they were shifting it over to ABC. Volleyball is getting into that opportunity as well. They actually moved the national championship a day later than it usually is. So it can be on ABC on a Sunday trying to get some of that national broadcast television juice that the NCAA basketball tournament was able to get. Um, So there's huge potential there. But as you noted, it's so important to get a top four seed, not only for home court advantage, but just because the tournament is so chalky. Um, you rarely see huge upsets in the volleyball tournament like you might in the men's basketball tournament or even in the women's basketball tournament. Um, in past years, especially in the, in the last few years, it's really the top eight and top four teams that are overwhelming favorites to move forward in their particular rounds. So if you are a, you know, a number seven overall going into the tournament, you're in a much tougher spot than you are, say, if you're a number four, um, because it's just very chalky. You've got that home court advantage, and you really have to prove yourself, which Pitt, to its credit, did in going into Madison 
and what was the loudest gymnasium or loudest arena that I've ever been in is that UW Fieldhouse. Those Wisconsin volleyball fans were just crazy for their team, looking to win a five-set game to go to a Final Four. And Pitt was able to pull through in a game that, quite frankly, I didn't think they would. I thought in the fifth set that it was getting away from them, but they, but they pulled it out. So just goes to show that Pitt has been able to prove itself in pretty much any situation. And that bodes well for them heading into this season. Right. So even if it doesn't work out that they're playing at home court, they can do it. Obviously, they certainly want that. But uh, it is it is far from over if they don't get that because this is a team that can make a run. Uh, in just a second, we're going to talk about the uh, first couple matches of their season, one in particular, and then matches we're looking uh, looking at coming forward. But speaking of uh, going to games in person and all the excitement that comes of that, FFSN has a really exciting contest. Uh, so if you're a fan of an NFL team, if you're in Pittsburgh, maybe you want to see week one, Kenny Pickett at home in Pittsburgh, you have a chance to attend your favorite team's week one game. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice, up to $5,000. The rules to enter are incredibly simple. You just go to contest.fansfirstsports.com, fill out the information, and that's it. You're done. Uh, once you've done that, you've been registered to win four free tickets to any week one NFL game. So go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. The contest ends on September 4th. Again, that's contest.fansfirstsports.com. So, James, uh, looking at the early part of this season, they've only played a few matches thus far. They went out to Missoula, Montana, and uh, they played a couple matches, two of which uh, were sweeps. Uh, the other, they won in straight sets, the other was to ranked BYU, uh, and they lost. They lost in the very first match of the season. Uh, you mentioned that last year they lost. Obviously, they were able to recover. Uh, what does it say about this year's program uh, that they lost that match, do you think? Well, I think the biggest thing that it shows is that it's tough to replace somebody like Courtney Bezerio straight away. The biggest issue in the opening match was just Pitt's ability to terminate against a very good defensive team in BYU. Um, they play BYU a lot in recent years. And the thing that strikes me every time they play them is the Cougars just know how to keep the ball off the floor, whether it's with a strong block or just sweeping the floor um, from the back row with players. It is tough and you're not going to get easy points against uh, BYU. And they didn't. They, they had four straight sets where their hitting percentage was just above 100 which if you think about hitting percentage like batting average in baseball, it's not where you want to be. And even the opening set that Pitt won, it was largely thanks to a lot of help from BYU with a lot of serving errors. So Pitt showed in that first match that it's, it's going to be tough out there um, this year, and you have to find the players that are going to be able to swing strong but also try to make fewer mistakes. Um, which is a tough task. They weren't able to get it done against BYU, but against Montana, it was target practice against uh, UT Rio Grande Valley, which was, even though I never heard of the university before they played them, uh, actually a decent volleyball program. It would probably be about a mid-range ACC team. Um, Pitt looked good, and they really got their offense together and got things rolling in that match and really just showed in that opening weekend that they're going to play a strong defensive game themselves. They're going to have a strong block, a lot of tall and great jumpers out front. 
and they're not going to give up a lot of easy points themselves. Um, so it might be that Pitt is going to be more reliable defensively than they have been the last couple of years and maybe more touch and go offensively. We'll see how uh, the new hitters develop. And it, it did show that the, the newcomers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. All top three uh, in kills over the opening weekend with 22 kills apiece, all three tied at 22, were the newcomers, Tory Stafford, Olivia Babcock, and the Florida transfer, Bree Kelly. Um, they're going to be called upon a lot in the early going, and they're already starting to, to prove themselves as, as being up to the task. Well, uh, before we go, uh, want to talk about a a big match that's coming up. You you mentioned it briefly uh, with Kentucky. That'll be a, a ranked matchup uh, coming up this Sunday, uh, as, as you said, at the Peterson Event Center. Sounds like that that should be thrilling. What can uh, fans look forward to to seeing on Sunday? Well, it's going to be exciting. And Pitt's goal for this, and Coach Fisher has mentioned it a few times, is he wants to set a new uh, program record for attendance. It had been the match that Pitt played at the Pete against Penn State um, in September a couple of years ago, and just over 5,000 fans were in the Pete. Uh, a tough loss for Pitt in that five-set loss to Penn State, uh, but they want to go even higher, and so I think it will provide an opportunity for uh, not only Pitt to come back into the Pete and and show themselves, but also to be a showcase for the program as a whole. Um, you get students coming in and maybe watching a, a volleyball match for the first time, and they're going to see some some top level uh, action because Kentucky is a is a regular NCAA tournament appearer, um, national championship a couple of years ago. They've got a great player in Reagan Rutherford. Number ten is going to be the one to watch. Also, a, a six rotation star who could really win this match for Kentucky if Pitt's not careful. And if Pitt can come out of this weekend with a a home-and-home home win in both Lexington and in Pittsburgh, they're going to prove that they're meant to be among maybe the top five or six teams in the country and set themselves up well for the rest of the non-conference slate. So like you mentioned, early season games are not to be discounted. Um, they are important for not only your confidence going forward, but for your tournament resume. They're going to be important for the RPI that Pitt has to show at the end of the season to be a top four team. So I, I would recommend to folks, if, if you haven't gotten on to the Pitt volleyball bandwagon yet, uh, Sunday at the Pete is going to be a really great opportunity to jump on board. Yeah, there's always always opportunity to jump on the bandwagon. If you're out, if you're in Pittsburgh, obviously, and then if you're going to Pittsburgh, if you're going to the, the football game perhaps on Saturday, you've got Sunday afternoon. That's going to be an absolutely huge match at the Pete. Uh, James Santelli, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know you've got some events coming up uh, in Allegheny County. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so my day job when I'm not watching pit volleyball is I'm uh, the publicist, so to say, for the Allegheny Regional Asset District. And we've got an exciting series of events calling, coming up called Rad Days. It starts September 8th, and there's going to be more than 70 free events and experiences all across Allegheny County. Everything from free admission to museums, free admission to uh, the zoo and the, the science center, the history center, and, and all sorts of different places, along with a lot of free concerts and performances uh, all across the area, all entities that receive funding from the regional asset district 
And this is their way to thank folks for their contributions to RAD. So uh, I would implore people head to radworkshere.org slash events, uh, check out the calendar. Most of the events, you do not need to register in advance, although some of them you do. So be on the lookout for that and just enjoy because it's, it's meant to show uh, all of the different arts and culture organizations that make Pittsburgh a special place to live. And uh, yeah, there's my plug for, for rad days at radworkshere.org. Well, uh, definitely. It sounds really exciting and uh, it's going to be really exciting talking about pit volleyball, following them all season long and, uh, and really covering this team because it's been a team and a program that, that fully deserves it. So we're so excited about this show, Olympic gold and blue. Uh, this week has, has been a little bit um, uh, odd in terms of scheduling, but moving forward uh, midweek, there's going to, going to be an episode of Olympic gold and blue uh, every single week. Sometimes we'll be talking volleyball. Sometimes we'll be talking men's soccer, sometimes women's soccer, uh, any sort of Olympic sports, essentially uh, everything except uh, football and men's basketball, which we, which we will be talking about uh, on unscripted. Uh, this will be the show to do so. It'll be coming at you every week in the middle of the week. Uh, so please subscribe to Pit Talk Network wherever you get your podcasts. Pit Talk Network will be the spot for Olympic Gold and Blue. Uh, so excited about this brand new show. Uh, and James, thank you uh, so much for joining us in this uh, first ever episode. And and uh, thank you in advance for being uh, our pit football, or excuse me, pit football, our pit volleyball correspondent uh, this season. No, thanks, Corey. I, I appreciate it. And I, I'm glad this is something that you're doing because really I haven't heard um, any other <laughs> podcast out there for pit volleyball and I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of it. So thank you. Well, uh, we're really excited about it. So that will do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank my guest, uh, James Santelli, once again. I'm Corey Cohen. Again, please subscribe to Pit Talk Network wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode of Olympic Gold and Blue.